Welcome to Anthony's Desk, life and business lessons on achieving goals and transforming society. I'm Anthony Gold, and I've had the great fortune of being an investor, entrepreneur, CEO, software developer, hardware engineer, and even an intern. My greatest sources of learning were terrific mentors, inspiring colleagues, and many mistakes made the hard way. Those lessons learned and my desire to continually grow form the basis of everything I write and talk about. It's the age-old question about leading a rewarding life. What makes you happy? That's the topic for episode four of Anthony's Desk, and my take on this life-probing question might surprise you. But before we get into that, today's theme was inspired by this awesome dude named Bernardo Margulis. And Bernardo runs his own podcast, and the name of his podcast is This Makes Me Happy. And it's basically a podcast about people and what makes them happy. And he invites guests onto his show, and at the beginning of, of each show, he asks the guest this question, what makes you happy? And then he records the conversation that comes out of that. And I was honored to be a guest recently on Bernardo's uh, podcast. And that's the topic for today's theme that we're going to discuss here on Anthony's desk. What makes you happy? So let's start with the question that Bernardo first asked me at the beginning of his podcast, which was, so Anthony, what makes you happy? And my answer to him was nothing. And here's what I meant by that nothing. And it has to do with the word makes in that phrase, what makes you happy? Nothing can make us happy. Nothing can make us unhappy. In fact, we choose our emotions. Our emotions are not thrust on us. Happiness, anger, sadness, joy, all those emotions are emotions that we choose. Sure, there's external stimuli that that come into our lives and things that happen, but still we choose how we're going to respond to those stimuli. It's like what Shakespeare wrote in Act 2 of Hamlet, that nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. In other words, it's our thinking, it's our thoughts, it's the meaning that we give the stimuli that makes all the difference and gives it all the power and the weight that it has for us. It doesn't have any meaning or power or weight on its own. We give the stimuli all of that. My grandfather, Arnold, was one of the happiest people that I knew. But he wasn't happy because of any external success. In fact, by worldly standards, he wasn't successful at all. He didn't have much money. He worked every day up till the day of his, of his death. Uh, he worked seven days a week. And his wife, my grandmother, um, she died of a, of a terrible illness toward the end of her life. And even through all of that, all their situations, Arnold, I never knew him to be unhappy in any way. Every time I was with him, he just radiated this incredible joy, this incredible happiness. And it wasn't that he never shed a tear or anything like that. It's just that he always had this incredible joy of living, this incredible joie de vie, if you will, that just followed him and radiated from him everywhere he went. And while he never said these words to me, I had the strong sense that Arnold's sense of happiness didn't come at all from anything that the outside world would say, here's what makes you happy, and came completely from within his own choice to be happy, his own choice to see the joy in everything that was brought into his life. So getting back to this topic of happiness, how do we choose happiness? How do we choose to be happy? 
Many years ago, I discovered a book that changed, totally, totally changed my life. Now, the book is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And Viktor Frankl was, he was in the Holocaust. He was in the concentration camps. And in, in the camps, he lost everything. His father was killed. His mother was killed. His brother was killed. And his wife, who was pregnant with their child, uh, the wife and the baby were killed. Everything was taken away from him. Everything except for one thing, his choice on how he would respond to all the injustice, the trauma, the degradation, the horrors that were inflicted on him. And this is what Frankel said. And Frankel never lost his peace, never lost his sense of peace. And he was asked, how could that, how could you have done that? And this is what he said. He said, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So Frankel refused to respond with hatred or with anger or with bitterness or with vengeance. He knew that choosing those emotions would lead only to even more pain. That's just amazing when you think about that. But it puts into such stark contrast this idea that, yeah, we really are responsible for the emotions that we choose. And again, people are going to do awful, hateful, vicious things. And we're certainly not responsible for that. But we are responsible for the emotions that we respond with. That's totally up to us. But let's move away from my overly literal interpretation of that phrase, what makes you happy. No one appreciates an annoying stickler. And let's get to the root of what Bernardo's podcast is really all about, which is this. What is it that you're doing? What's going on in your life? What are you up to when you're feeling happy? And I've studied that quite a bit in my life. What is it that I'm doing when I'm feeling that state of happiness, when I'm in that state of flow? And what I discovered is that there's really an intersection of three things that are going on. And those three things are, I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. So it's something that, that has some, some meaning or importance to me. And two, that I'm doing something that I'm good at. So it leverages my passion and my skills. And three, it's something that can make a difference, either for a person or for a company that I'm working for or for society in general. So really that the intersection of those three things, what am I good at, my skills, what am I passionate about, and what is there a need for Many years ago, I used to be a software developer, and I loved coding. And whenever I had the chance to work on a project to write, to write software uh, that could make a difference, whether for an individual or for a corporation, software that, that had some impact in some way, whenever I had the chance to work on that kind of software, I could just code for hours. Literally, I could go 24 hours straight without eating, without sleeping, just coding the whole time in that state of, of flow. Why? because I really loved coding. I was pretty good at it and it made a difference, or at least it had the opportunity to make a difference for uh, the people that I was writing software for. And so in that sense, I was in a state of just complete euphoria because I could go 24 hours without eating, without sleeping and simply code the whole time. And ever since that point, I realized that that intersection of those three things, my skills, my passions, and what 
was needed, whether it was needed again by an individual, by society, by a corporation, the intersection of those three things, when I could be there, then I was in a state of just total happiness. And speaking of that state of flow, another great book that is just amazing, it's called Flow. And the book is by a Hungarian psychologist who is the guy who actually created that psychological concept of flow, which is that highly focused mental state. His name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and the book he wrote is just amazing. And he talks about that what makes experiences joyful or happy is when we can be in that state of flow. And he goes on to detail how we can consciously achieve that state. And he also makes it very clear in the book that it isn't what happens that determines our happiness, but the manner in which we make sense of what happened. In other words, a conscious choice. And when we can make that choice to align our passions and our skills with some kind of impact that we can have with them, then we can get into that state of flow and it can be a choice that we make and and a state that we can achieve as often as we'd like. I read this quote from Paul Jarvis, who is a creative designer, uh, the designer that I mentioned in episode one of Anthony's Desk, who actually is one of the people who got me into into podcasting. And Paul wrote this, this quote that was pretty powerful. He said, I would never do something for a buck that I wouldn't do for free if I could. And I definitely wouldn't do anything that doesn't align with my values as a creative. So in other words, he only works on things that he's passionate about. And he doesn't take any money for anything that he wouldn't do for free if he could afford to do it for free. In other words, it's stuff that he loves to do. His passion and his skills. He's good at it and he loves to do it. And if he could afford it, he would do it for free. And I think that's a great way to look at those types of things to get in that state of flow is what would you do if you could, if you didn't have any financial concerns, what would you be doing that would align your passions and your skills in a way that would have some beneficial impact? Bernardo asked me in the podcast whether he said, are you happy all the time? And I said, oh, no way. I wish. I wish I was. I said, just because I know what it takes to be happy doesn't mean that I can consciously choose that all the time. Well, it does mean that I could, but I'm certainly not at that point where I do. And one of the things that I found that it works really well for me when I think about how can I align my passions and, and, uh, and my skills in a way that can make a difference is not just in, in the professional world, um, but also in, in my private life that I look at how can I, how can I help other people? My life has been very, very fortunate. And I think about what could I do? Who in my network can I help in some way? And it's just so rewarding when you can find a way to leverage some of the gifts that you've been given in a way that can touch other people. I think there's no greater joy than what comes from, from serving others, especially if it can be done in a, in a selfless way or at least a mostly selfless way. As Mother Teresa said, everything that she did had some element of, of selfishness to it, which she was just such an amazing, amazing woman. And, and to hear her say something like that really helps keep our egos in check. But anyway, um, I find that there's no greater joy than finding a way to serve others in a, in a way that's not self-serving, in a way that can help others and doesn't bring anything, anything back to us. Um, and it just feels so good when we can do that and when we can make a difference. And to me, that's one of the easiest ways to, uh, to really get into that state. But I think one of the unfortunate things is that we spend so much time in a state of unhappiness. I can't tell you the number of people that I've met who are unhappy 
in their lives, unhappy with their work, unhappy in their personal lives. And the challenge is that they're stuck in a rut of, of mediocrity. And what I mean by that is this, that when your life is mediocre, let's say you have a mediocre job, meaning that it's okay, it pays well, or at least it pays reasonably well, but it's not so awful that you have to leave and it's not so awesome that your life, you're just jumping up and down, you know, you can't wait to get to work the next day. It's in that state of mediocrity. The challenge with that is it's too easy to do nothing. It's too easy just to stay settled in. You're getting paid, you're getting paid reasonably well, and, and it's okay. And that's the challenge is that we get stuck in that rut and we don't really realize that, wait a second, is there something better? And in a sense, we almost have to give ourselves permission to be happy. We almost have to give ourselves permission to say, you know what, maybe there's another way that I can look at this. Maybe there's something more that I could do to achieve that, that state that I'm looking for. And for me, in many, many cases, there have been so many great mentors of mine who have helped me along my path, um, whether they're people I've met directly or people that have inspired me through their writings. And in every one of those instances, I was at some point where I was in that state of mediocrity, where I was, it was not so painful that I had to make a change, and, and I certainly was not in a state of, of bliss. And being given that permission, and I use the word permission in quotes because really we give ourselves permission, but sometimes a great book or a great mentor can, can sort of enable us to give ourselves that permission to be able to say, you know what, I do want to look at this differently. I do, want to, I do want to make a change. And the change doesn't necessarily need to be a change to the job or the change to, a li- to our lives. It could be. But the biggest change is really the mental change to say, I want to look at this differently. I want to see this differently. I want to see my life differently. And very often what happens is following the mental change, very often we do see you know, physical changes in our lives, whether it's a change in a job or a change in a relationship or something like that. But that idea of permission and, and giving ourselves permission to be happy, I think is a significant roadblock that holds many people and it certainly held me back for a long, long time. And the idea that we can, we can look at these opportunities to leverage the skills that we have, the passions that we have, which are, which are certainly gifts that, that we've cultivated, and, and to be given permission to, to use those in a way that, that can um, have an impact, and in particular, to bring us great joy, and at the same time, bring others joy. I remember reading an essay several years ago about a palliative care worker. Her name was Bronnie Ware, and she wrote this incredibly powerful blog post uh, detailing some of the experiences that she shared with her patients during the final phase of, of their lives. And she noted that there were some common themes that kept coming up over and over and over. And she put them together into a list that she called Regrets of the Dying. And she wrote this blog, po- this blog post called Regrets of the Dying. And it was incredibly powerful. And the number one regret that she noted was this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And when I think about that concept of, of mediocrity and getting stuck in a rut, in many cases that rut is living a life that others expect of us versus having the courage to live a life true to ourselves. And I think that's some of the, the ideas, some of the aspect of getting in that, that state of flow is really looking at what does it mean to live a life true to myself? And of course, I believe that being true to ourselves is looking at 
What am I passionate about? And what skills do I have or what skills could I develop that could enable me to, to make a difference? And difference is relative. Whatever make a difference means. There's no universal standard of this is how you need to make a difference. Each of us has our own, our own standards. But when we can do that, when we have the courage to live a life true to ourselves, when we're aligning our passions and our skills that can make a difference, whatever that means to us, then that state that we experience, that state of flow, that state of happiness that is just a natural extension, that choice that, that we have when we're in that state is just such a wonderful and incredibly blissful feeling. A question I get asked a lot is, how do I know what my skills are and, and how do I know what my passions are? And one of the ways that you can tell what, what you're great at, what your skills are, is to ask yourself this question, what am I the go-to person for, right? So what do people in your network come to you for? Whatever that is, whatever they consistently come to you for, that's one of the areas that you're probably pretty good at because your network's coming to you for that. But you can also reach out to people in your network. You can reach out to your trusted friends and probably not family members because family members, um, they, they often think that everything you do, you're, you're good at. But ask your trusted friends, Ask them, in what areas would you consider me to be an expert or at least very good? Or in which areas do you see me as the go-to person? And a question I like to challenge people to think about, to ask people in their network is this. If you were building a team where I would be your top pick, what would be the focus area? What would I be doing? And that'll give you a good sense for, for some of the skills that you have. And in many cases we don't necessarily see ourselves in the best light. In many cases, we're our own worst enemy. And sometimes when we can talk to other people and get a sense for how do other people view us, then we can get a much more objective perspective on the areas that, that we're pretty good at. And don't underestimate how much each of us is our own worst enemy. It's, it's really true. And so by asking people in our network that we trust their opinion, these types of questions, then we can see ourselves perhaps in a far different way from, from how, we, how we normally do. And that sort of an exercise can be very, very helpful. And then to that second question of how do you know what your passions are? You know, tapping into our passions is one of the most fun exercises that, that we can do. And, and here's, here's a way that you can do that. Basically, just get out a piece of paper or open up, you know, an online uh, notebook and answer these questions. What have been some of your greatest moments of happiness and fulfillment? What activities do you greatly enjoy and find the most fulfilling in your professional life or your personal life? If you think back over the past year, what were you doing in those instances when you were in that zone and could have gone 24 hours without sleep, like when I was coding? So put that list together of what you enjoy doing. And as you list more and more items on there, you're going to see trends where you've been the most motivated and extracted the greatest satisfaction from, from what you were doing. And that's really a great way to start getting a sense for where your passions lie and what you really, really love doing. And then once you have that list of, of the skills, you know, what you're good at, what people see you as the go-to person, or even skills you could quickly develop on your own. So they don't have to be skills that you have now. If you can develop those skills over a reasonably short period of time, they count as well. So your list of skills and your list of, of passions, you know, what really, what really drives you, what, what gets you really excited. When you have those, those two lists, 
then it's pretty easy to sort of take a step back and say, okay, what kind of impact do I want to have with, with these? And what kind of impact could I have? And as I mentioned before, one of the easiest ways to get started is to think about who could benefit from these skills and these passions that I have. And to think about going back to what Paul Jarvis said, that you know, if you, could, if you didn't need to make money and you could leverage these skills and passions, what would you be doing and who would you be helping with that? And that's really a good place to start giving you that sense of the types of things that, that you could be working on to be in that, in that state. So to bring this back around full circle to the way we started this podcast, Bernardo's question to me, what makes you happy? Anything where I'm leveraging my passions and my skills in a way that can make a difference. So now let me turn the question to you. What makes you happy? And more importantly, what are your skills and what are your passions? And how are you going to leverage the two of those to make a difference? Reach out to me at Anthony's desk and let me know. And thank you to Bernardo for setting this whole topic in motion. I will definitely be bringing you on the Anthony's Desk podcast so we can learn from your experiences of discovering what makes people happy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I feel so honored that you took time out of your day for this. I'm so, so grateful. So with that, wishing all of you a wonderful day and much happiness. (music) 